All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Leafs Morning Take with Nick Alberga and Jay Rosehill. Now we've got a fight started here right off the bat with Rosehill. 30 minutes of live, nonstop Leafs talk starts now. And just like that, we're back in the mix. Heavy stomachs, a bit of a food coma, but we're back. It's Nick Alberga and Jay Rosehill with you for the Tuesday edition of Lease Morning Take. What's happening, Rosie? How are you, dude? Good to be back. Yeah, had a good Christmas time. Ate too much, drank too much, and uh, yeah, that's what it's all about. It's always a case where it's like a snap of the fingers and boom, the holidays are over, right? Like in the moment, you never really cherish it. And then like two days later, like wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, it's over. Yeah, it's kind of a, I remember that as a kid, like it's like a month long build up for this thing, right? And then after Christmas morning, you know, it's kind of almost sad when you're cleaning everything up and chucking everything in the recycling and it's over, but I don't know, I think at this age you get used to her, but uh, you just got to keep the, keep the festivities going into the, into the new year. You talk about festivities, the World Juniors kicked off last night and uh, what a surprising start for Team Canada. What are some of your, your best junior memories i wanted to talk about a, a one team specifically the olds grizzlies the ajhl what do you remember about junior rosie what do i remember about junior it was uh yeah it was different man i mean we had a tough team and we had a cool coach that wanted us just to he would way rather pull back on the reins than crack the whip you know so we ran around pretty hard and we had like three sets of brothers on the team uh, we had a good oh, mixture of of everybody, and we were tough as hell. We didn't really have a, 
you know, a, a des- designated heavy necessarily, but we had tons of guys that could mix it up, and the league was tough that t- that time of uh, that time in history. And you go up north, and there'd be some big boys up there, and yeah, just just lots of uh, just kind of the wild west a little bit. It seems like looking back now, when you watch the games now, it's like man, things have changed a lot. But uh, I remember it being being intense and tough, and and all the boys just wanting to get rowdy. <laughs> Yeah, that's a gritty name to begin with. The Olds Grizzlies. Were you guys a powerhouse in the AJHL? No, not really. I mean, I think we we went to the South Final when we were there, and since then they haven't done really well. But um, it's been tough, that league. You know, Brooks has come out really big, uh, yeah. spending lots of money, and it's kind of hard to recruit. And I think our barn, we could use a new rink, which would help with recruiting. But um, we were always in the mix coming up through, but we only won the one Centennial Cup there in about 94. So it'd be nice to reestablish the powerhouse in Olds, Alberta. Start a GoFundMe account, maybe, but it's always great to get players' perspective and a throwback to the the junior days, like the World Juniors. Were they ever a thing when you were playing, like in terms of like, do players keep in mind the World Juniors when some other teammates are playing or some people they know? Yeah, I think so. If you know somebody or whatever, have a reason. Yeah. But uh, to be honest with you, usually if you're not playing in it or whatever, you're kind of shutting the lights off on the hockey mode for a couple of days if you're lucky and you can go home or see some family and just unplug from the hockey and um i think by all means you'd have it on in the background kind of thing but as far as in following it intensely if you don't necessarily have a, a good buddy on the team or anything it's if you're kind of in uh in shutdown mode from hockey because that's the only break you're going to get besides maybe a couple at all-star break Felt like shutdown mode yesterday for Team Canada. That was a sloppy, sloppy game to kick off the World Junior, but it happens. Remember to subscribe, tap that like button, leave us a review wherever you're checking us out. Don't forget to visit theleafsnation.com for the very latest in all things Toronto Maple Leafs. Thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns, again, make sure to drop us a line in the chat down below. We'll get to that here on YouTube as the Maple Leafs get set to face the St. Louis Blues. Let's get over the boards. Well, you see on your screen, Rosie, back to business. A four-day holiday hiatus done just like that, and they start a three-game road trip to end 2022 in St. Louis tonight. What do you make of that one? Yeah, it should be good. I I always find it interesting to see how people respond after the break. You know, um, it's an opportunity to either recharge your batteries and kind of reset the brain and it's also a time to you know have a turkey coma and kind of forget that you're supposed to be back in the nhl here tonight and it 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 can go both ways some teams can really find some some new vigor and and figure out you know some of their problems get that little rest and kind of hit the reset button and i think some teams probably teams just like st louis blues are looking to kind of reestablish themselves as you know a high-end hockey team in the league and they'll come out of the break that way and then other teams can kind of come off sluggish and forget that uh you got to turn that break brain off a little bit too and they can come out pretty slow and uh and get get hauled on in the first couple of games so it'll be interesting but i do know that you know that if the records show up the leafs are are quite favored in this game but if uh you know it's kind of one of those ones that could easily be a sleeper because you're coming off that break that you're not used to and it's it's kind of hard to hit that reset button and actually come out firing but i think uh I think it'll be interesting to see. It might be a little tighter game than people are thinking it will be. And the Blues are a bit banged up. They announced earlier today, by the way, Tori Krug, who ran that Bruins power play for so many years, has really struggled to meet expectations in St. Louis. will be out for the next six weeks, so you won't see him tonight. I know Kyrou's been missing some time as well. Um, it's just been a work in progress for the St. Louis Blues. They've been playing catch-up all season long. But I think you're so right. 
you know, from the Maple Leafs perspective, I wondered if they wanted the break to come because they're feeling so good about life. But certainly for some teams, Rosie, it has to feel like a new lease on life. You get reinvigorated, rejuvenated. You get to see your family, hang out with your pets and then come back fresh with a, you know, a fresh batch of games here. Yeah, I think it's best for teams that are not rolling, um, that are struggling and finding a tough time having consistency, maybe injury problems, a bunch of negativity around the locker room and in the meetings. And it's good just to get the hell away. <clears throat> Everyone kind of reset, put things in perspective and then come back kind of ready to go after the break. And then on the on the flip side, you know, a team that's rolling hard, you just want to make sure that you can regain that momentum after the break and pick up where you left off because you don't want something that's supposed to be beneficial, like a break to, you know, throw something in your spokes and be able to uh, throw you off track. So I think it'll be a test for both teams here tonight. As a former fighter in the NHL, what is your breakdown, your analysis on Jordan Bennington and his act over the last couple of years? Yeah, I've been looking at that online a little bit. I uh, <clears throat> He's been doing that for quite a few years, and it's just like, it's interesting. I kind of, it's very uncharacteristic for a goalie to be like that. You know, you can only think of a handful of them throughout, you know, the years who would kind of do anything physical or do anything outside of their own little bubble with the blinders on is how kind of goalies usually operate. And then he's just all over the place, mask off, bumping guys, chirping nets, hitting guys. And I mean, I think we've mentioned it before, like when a guy like Chief Craig Berube is uh, yeah. telling his own goalie just to shut up and quit dicking around, you know, obviously he's kind of gone over the line and it just seems to me like yeah, the act has gotten old to everyone and no one's like loving it. No one's praising it. No one's saying, yeah, this is what we need. It's kind of just this weird distraction that has probably cost them more than anything with him taking penalties and, and getting other guys involved. So I don't know. I find it interesting and funny to, to, to watch and I hope he starts doing stupid shit tonight. But uh, other than that, if he was on my team, I'd probably be like chief and be like, can you just stop the puck and, and quit with this sideshow, you know? Yeah, because it's so interesting. Like, this guy won a Stanley Cup, so you sort of feel like you have to give him leash that says, hey, he's done this before. He's turned his act um, in gear and won some games for us. But then on the contrary, it's been a couple of years since he's been anywhere remotely close to that guy who won the Stanley, Cups, uh, Stanley Cup a couple of years ago. And you start to wonder if this is becoming a bigger story than it needs to, right, inside that locker room. And, you know, if, if it's like a side act or a sideshow when it comes to this team, if you're like a, a player in that locker room, whether you're Ryan O'Reilly, the captain, which we'll get to in mere moments, certainly in that conversation, or the head coach has already come out and said something, you have to think Craig Bruby's not the first person to say something, right? You kind of think so. I mean, usually you don't really tell goalies what to do too often. They just do their thing and you leave them alone and, and let them get prepared. So it's always been this thing like, you know, maybe don't touch a stick or maybe he doesn't like to get whacked <laughs> on the pads or hit both pads instead of just one because it feels uneven and they're always doing something you don't want to throw them off. So for him to do that, it might be a little bit tougher to say something. Like you said, he just won a Stanley Cup here in the last handful of years. So there is that respect factor. But you got to think that those guys, I mean, lots of guys on that team won the Stanley Cup with them. And like you say, Ryan O'Reilly being the captain, he'd be like, hey, like, we probably don't need that stuff, man. Like, I think we're starting to get off track. Like, you're too good of a goalie to get distracted by outside shit. Maybe you could try. But, again, I don't know what kind of guy Bennington is and how he'd respond to that. But definitely interesting based on his actions out there. He must have some kind of a personality. Dude, he's actually a good dude. Like, weirdly enough, I was uh, in Scottsdale in June uh, for a bachelor party. And I was out at the club or the bar or whatever in Scottsdale. An amazing time, by the way. And I bumped into Bennington. He was at a buddy's bachelor party. And, like, I didn't know him very well, but I'd shot the shit with him before. So we started chatting. And 
you know, I did bring it up. Like we were laughing about it. I'm like, dude, you ever going to fucking dance with somebody? And he's like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Like I know he was just kidding, but I, I just, you know, it's important to note that like he does have a personality. And I think, you know, more than most people having been and played professional hockey, goalies are fucking weird to begin with. But I just think it's so hilarious how this sort of saga has taken uh, on a life of its own the last couple of years, because every time he seems to be tough, 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 it gets time to dance and he doesn't dance, Rosie. Yeah, it seems like he likes to just throw the little shot where no one's paying attention. No one would certainly expect it from a goalie after yeah. the intermission when you're kind of crossing paths and, uh, you know, bump into someone that way and then wait till the linesman jump in and everything else. But, <clears throat> I mean, I think it pro. <laughs> I don't know if it would do him better or, or not to, to actually fight somebody out there. Like, it would certainly <laughs> back up some of his stuff but i think that would just give yeah. even more reason for their team to be like what the fuck are you doing out there like why just we have 20 skaters here who can <laughs> you know mix it up or do something like that we don't need our star goalie doing it but for whatever reason he likes to get involved in that maybe it keeps him awake or gets him going i don't know but you gotta think he's gonna tone it down after uh after he's getting so many uh so much attention for it yeah, to me, it brings shades of Ronnie Hextall back, back in the day, but Hextall was not afraid to drop the gloves. But certainly, we'll see on the Bennington front. There's got to be a moment in time where somebody's like, fuck this, let's go, and he's going to fight whether he likes it or not. By the way, Bennington's from Richmond Hill, Ontario. 2-2-0, um, 4.41881 against the Leafs. Shoot the fucking puck tonight, right, Rosie? Wow, yeah, those aren't the greatest numbers in the world. And I don't always like the numbers of, like, this is how he is against this franchise in the last three years. It's like, who gives a shit what a number were three years ago? You know, what has he done lately? And so I always take that with a grain of salt. But, yeah, it doesn't yeah. look like he's a big fan of uh, playing against the Buds by, based on those numbers. Well, I can tell you those numbers are across the board this season, last season. So that uh, backs up my expectation for this game tonight. Not to spoil my points bet Canada bet of the day, by the way. Special teams, it's going to be a big time factor. So no Sandine, presumably no Riley, no choice with the power play. I haven't asked you this before, and they've had this going for the last couple of weeks. What do you think of that five forward power play unit with Matthews, Marner, Nylander, JT, and Bunting? Of course, right now they have no choice unless you want to put Timmons out there. Yeah, I mean, I think they're kind of, uh, you know, hamstrung into the situation to have to use it. I, I don't love it. I would, I would, I would feel much better about it. Obviously, if we could put, you know, Riley on the back end and just have that defensive presence, just an understanding of, you know, how to work that blue line, how to go back for pucks, how to kind of win battles, you know, in certain positions that those forwards aren't used to being in. But they're good enough hockey players, obviously, and. And I think their defensive side of, of the puck has been a lot cleaner this year. So I have less of a problem with it right now than I may have, say, last year when they tended to get sloppy and kind of turn their brain off to defense and just be pure offense. And I mean, already this year, though, we've seen so many odd man rushes against yeah. um, for our power play units that, I mean, the last thing you want when you're supposed to be, you know, getting an opportunity to score a goal and at least to gain a lot of momentum um, on a two-minute power play and you're giving up like multiple odd man rushes, obviously you're doing something wrong. So if you start to see that, I'm going to hate it. Um, but as for right now, I mean, they're kind of hamstrung into that position to, to have to put all those guys in the back end and, and just go with a, a five-man forward power play. And, you know, hopefully it pays off where you got so much offense, you're just overwhelming them in their zone and you can bury some goals. Unsurprisingly, the numbers have not been pretty since Morgan Riley went down on November 21st. They actually ranked 25th of 32 in the NHL in the power play, 8 for 45. 
they're two for the past 11. And there's a reason why I bring this up because you look at St. Louis, they're dreadful on the PK, Rosie. 29 of 32 in the NHL, 70.7%. So, so suffice it to say, I think special teams will be a big time telltale sign in this hockey game. If the Leafs can win that, they're probably walking out of St. Louis at two points tonight. Yeah, it would be nice to get that power play going and, uh, you know, bump those numbers up a little bit based on uh, the fact that you're playing against one of the worst PKs in the league. So uh, take advantage. It's a good time to get the boys going again, figure something out before Riley comes back and uh, make the most of it. Because like you said, those aren't the best numbers on the on the PK there for the Blues. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Let's start the engines, Rosie. Ryan O'Reilly, the captain of the St. Louis Blues. We know the March 3rd trade deadline is fast approaching. I want to ask you this question. Should the Leafs go all in on Ryan O'Reilly, assuming he becomes available via trade here? I say no. Don't go all in on Ryan O'Reilly. I mean, he's obviously a solid player. You look at him. I mean... That minus 26, is that a real number at Christmas right now? But uh, <laughs> if you just went up to a child or a 10-year-old and said, hey, does uh, Ryan O'Reilly, should we get him on the Maple Leafs? He'd go, oh, yeah, awesome. But it's like, what What are you giving up for him? I mean, we know what this team is doing right now, and you're going to have to break that up to insert Ryan O'Reilly. What if it doesn't work? What if he doesn't want to be in Toronto? What if um you know he messes up the chemistry of it what if there's a you know a battle for leadership in the locker room like it's a big deal to to pull a huge piece of a puzzle out and insert another one and obviously the biggest question to me is what do you give up to get ryan o'reilly and you know if you can make some deal where you're like wow i can't say no to this but then by all means right you got to assume that you're making your team better with him but as far as going all in and like betting the farm and taking this big chance I say no man you you, this team's looking really well-rounded and you're gonna have to take some pieces out of that to add him and and you might just overload one side of the team and and leave something else you know hanging where 
it's going to cost you in the playoffs. And all of a sudden, that's not a good move. And you've just gotten rid of a whole whole ton of people. And now people aren't loving Riles on the Maple Leafs. Like, that thing can go south just as fast. So I like to kind of go against the grain and say, you know, maybe not, especially if you have to go all in, like you say. Yeah, but there has to be an element of risk attached to this, right? You look at other teams that have made some big-time trades in the last couple of years, and I think you look at the resume and the body of work and the fact that they have a lame-duck GM and Kyle Dubas and suggest, hey, he could do something a bit more substantial in years past. Like, to me, this has the odor, if you will, of, like, the conundrum a couple of years ago. Nick Foligno or Taylor Hall? Is it Ryan O'Reilly or Frankie Vitrano? Like, I know it's an unfair comparison, but I think that's a, what the Leafs are dealing with, where I think you have to weigh the pros and cons of saying a Ryan O'Reilly or a, a Bo Horvat. Like, I think no price tag, in my opinion at least, should be too high for this team. I was going to ask you, Nick Robertson, would he be on the table? Would your first-round pick be on the table? What lengths would you be willing to go to tinker with this roster? I think you're pretty profound in saying you wouldn't tinker very much, right? Not too hard. And I mean, I would like to, don't get me wrong, I'd like to add that piece to the puzzle, but I just know that, you know, what the Blues are going to do to give up their captain and big part of their Stanley Cup winning uh, club there a couple years ago, it's it's not going to be cheap. And um, if you are just making a full-on pedal-down run for it this year, then maybe you do look at a Robertson and say, you know what, I, I think we can get away with doing this. And it's just all about justification. Like, can, can I justify this? Are we getting better? And if it's a, if it's something that you can't say no to and you don't feel like you're getting taken advantage of and, and you think you're getting the best side of the deal, then, you, you know, the, the GM will probably pull the trigger. But I feel like I live a little bit more, like, in the locker room land where it's just like, this is our team. Yeah. If something happens, bring it in and we'll deal with it then. But as of right now, like, I'm not looking at trades. I'm looking at what we have and, and how well they're operating and where we can get better. And then it seems like, you know, I think you are always like interested in the trades and watching the free agency and what what pieces yeah. could move around. And obviously that's valuable too, but my mind automatically goes to like, let's keep what we have and, and make the best of this because this is good and we don't want to break this apart to add one piece and have it blow up in our face. But uh, inevitably, if something comes across the table, it's too good to say no to. I don't think anybody would. Sorry to break it to you. If this team doesn't do anything substantial, there's going to be a shit fuck of change. I could tell you that. Uh, but I want to get your perspective too. And I, on it. you love that when I give those opinions, eh? But like, yeah. I was going to ask, like, you ever been on a team where your GM makes a trade and everybody in the room's like, wow, that's weird. Like, I know, you know, your time with Toronto is a bit different, certainly with Philadelphia. But do you recall a time in the NHL where you guys looked around and said, ah, I'm not crazy about that? I can't think of one offhand, um, you know, and other times like you get a player on the team, maybe I, I'm trying to think if I'm not going to say any names, but you know, you get a yeah. guy on the team and you're like, wow, this guy's coming in. Like, why did we do that kind of thing? Or else I heard this guy's a terrible guy and they, we got him for cheap because he's a cancer in the locker room. What are they doing? Do they not know that? And a couple of those things might go around. That's if a guy's got kind of a bad reputation and is bouncing around. But I mean, I do remember when Dion Phaneuf got traded to, you know, Toronto, everyone was like, whoa, that's kind of a big deal, right? He came into the locker room first day and he was just chatty and kind of knew everybody already. He'd probably done his homework a little bit and turned some tunes on and just started getting it going and was so just, uh, yeah. you know, he just wanted to really insert himself into the lineup and, and 
and kind of create that uh, that environment right off the bat. And it ended up being a good thing. And I think he was a, a good player for the Leafs for quite a while. So um, not many stories of where you just can't believe what, what happened. Usually the, the GM isn't that out of touch on what the team needs. But uh, it's always different when you mix it up, man, especially when there's a couple new guys coming into the locker room. It's a total reset as far as how things operate in the locker room and everything else. So there's a bit of risk like that if you are firing you know, in, in a good way already and before you make that trade. Believe it or not, I wasn't as big a uh, FNUF hater as you probably could have thought when he came over from Calgary to the Maple Leafs, but I couldn't get over. People were just stroking this guy off for his DJ work in the room. Like, that's all everybody talked about for three weeks, how he came in the room, he turned on the boombops, he played his music. Like, was there any specialty to the music he played that made him so amazing? No, that was weird because it's funny because I even said it because I think I remember that, but I just remember, like, what's this guy going to be like? Yeah. And he didn't come on too strong, which he can do. He can come on too strong. Um, and he did, but he bar. wasn't just – yeah, he didn't uh, – he wasn't just riding the uh, the quiet train into, uh, you know, chilling yeah. out and feeling everybody out. He came in and, like, said, I'm here. Let's get this done. I'm on board. And Berkey was just loving him. And I think it was Berkey that said he turned on the music, and then everyone just started exactly. thinking that was, like, the greatest thing, <laughs> like, big fucking deal. But I think that's just in my head from hearing that so many times from the media too. No, it's exactly what I'm saying. Like that's all I recall from that time frame when they picked up Dion Phaneuf. We knew he was captain because he turned the music on when he walked into the room. Like I think I know guys who are like death players in the league that would do that now. You know? Yeah, probably some rookie would probably walk up and grab it and uh, start cranking some uh, Swedish techno or something because things have changed in the locker room from what I hear. But uh, <laughs> no, it's good for him to come in and just uh, establish himself as a as a guy and he was a big presence in the locker room and I think he started that right off the bat and I think the I think the GMs and the powers that be at the time really loved that yeah they still do we got to get Fanuf on the show by the way so uh track him down we're gonna yeah. get him on we're gonna get his thoughts on all this uh moving forward during this leaf season as they get set for the uh unofficial second half here tonight against the St. Louis Blues which leads us to the wrap-up it's brought to you by our friends at Points Back Canada All right, Rosie, fresh new slate for this week. As I hinted earlier, I like the over six in this game between the Leafs and the Blues. We're looking at around minus 115 in value right now on Points Back Canada. They're coming off a holiday break. I mentioned Bennington's numbers, 2-2-0, 4-4-1, 881 in his career and four appearances against the Maple Leafs. And the last three meetings between Toronto and St. Louis have all hit the over. So I'm feeling the over tonight. Do you like that play or not really? I do, especially based on everything you just said. I, I thought it would be about six and a half just with the firepower and the bad yeah. PK and and ben, ben, Bennington's numbers uh, would make it seem like six and a half. But I mean, you can even get a, a push here. So um, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. It's, uh, it's a good bet. Minus 10 is a good value too. So you seem to be on top of things with uh, what's going on. You go a lot deeper than me. I just go gut feelings. So uh you know, I always like it when my gut feeling gets reinforced by a bunch of numbers. So I'm liking that bet a lot right now. I know some books have it at a six and a half, by the way. So I saw it at six on points bet Canada. I pounced. So minus 110 for the over between the Leafs and the Blues. You mentioned that the game has changed quite a bit. I'm curious to get your thoughts watching the World Junior last night. I know it was a big topic of conversation. It was one nothing Canada. But they tried the Michigan move not once but twice in the first period. If that happened in your room or in your practice or during a game, how would you guys react back in the day? I understand it's a different era, though. 
Yeah, it's funny, man. It's like when you when you get to be one of those skill guys who is just like doing something kind of outrageous. It, it's weird. Hockey's got a culture of like, don't fuck around and have respect and know your role and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I'll be it would be a, a rookie or some young hotshot coming out of junior or some shit would try that thing. And all the old guys would be like, what are you doing? But I think the biggest thing when you when guys are pulling that kind of stuff, like same with between the legs and and doing all that yeah. kind of stuff, like if you can make it work, good on you. But if you keep trying it and it doesn't work, the coaches and everyone else is going to lose their freaking mind saying, this isn't fucking roller hockey. If you want to go play shinny, there's some ice down the road, but put that shit away and start playing our system and using your teammates and blah, blah, blah. So it would be, uh, it would be a little bit of both. But, you know, these guys these days, uh, it is also a different era, but the shit they can do with that puck, like these sticks and, and the way they handle that thing. And it just seems like it's a lighter puck for these kids. The kid's 160 pounds and... He is zinging that puck around like like nothing. It's really impressive. They got the big curves on their stick, and they know how to freaking use them. So I don't hate it. It is nice when it works out, and I do like seeing highlight reel goals, but it is annoying yeah. when, you know, you keep beating a dead horse with some fancy bullshit move that's not working. Is it conducive to winning is my question. And we saw Euro Spacek's kid yesterday combat the uh, – the Michigan move by slashing the stick, which I thought was really, really impressive. And I'm, I'm curious to see how it evolves in the next couple of years. Uh, Tim writes in, the juniors look disjointed, not playing together yet. You are bang on with that assessment. And uh, who's in the twine tonight, guys? I believe we don't have an update on that just yet. Don't forget, it's central time for that game. But the expectation, at least for me, that it's Matt Murray and Jordan Binnington. Uh, Lamb not writes in, get a defenseman, not another forward. Uh, where are you in that conversation? I, I know we talked a bit about Ryan O'Reilly, but I think if you're opposed with a defenseman or forward, you, you're only allowed to get one between now and the deadline. What are you after, Rosie? Well, I have said defenseman. I mean, someone to compliment, you know, Morgan Riley on there. You know, if you start leaning on some of these guys too much, I think it may... I, I, just one of those premier big boy defensemen who can just absolutely lock it down and can control the play out there. I feel like we don't have enough of those on the back end by any stretch. Uh, they're doing amazing right now. They're playing well together. They look really solid, but I just don't, I think it would be great to just add another big boy, a big chip on the back end, and then it would look really well-rounded. I just feel like if you get a Ryan O'Reilly and put it all of a sudden, that scale is leaning too hard to, uh, towards the front end and and our front end is solid man and as long as they're playing a little bit of d there's so much scoring and offense up there and we don't need to have that many premier studs i would like to round it out a little bit more on the back end uh that's probably wishful thinking but i am agreeing there that the back end is where we need to add something if not leave it alone would it ever weigh in the back of your head that the leafs the thing that's become unglued the last couple of years in the postseason has been the offense, not the defense. Like you need that extra goal and they haven't been able to get it. So like, I, I understand the logical thinking, let's get another guy who can score to maybe get that big goal for us. Yeah, I know what you're saying, but um, I just, I, I'm not going to put enough stock into that as to saying, well, that's going to happen again this year. Like to me, yeah. that's just bad timing, bad luck. You have got so many guys. I mean, if you need a big goal and you can't get it out of, Marner, Matthews, Nylander, Tavares, and then the supporting cast around them. Well, then that's Engvall. not the fault of, oh, we, yeah, yeah, okay, maybe. <laughs> be nice to get that secondary going in the uh, in the playoffs. But yeah. um, I just, I think that's an anomaly. And yeah, is that crazy that that happened last year? Yeah. 
But um, in the playoffs, man, it just doesn't matter. You don't neglect defense or goaltending. That's what seems to get it done every single year. By the way, uh, no confirmation on the goaltenders, so you'll have to stay tuned and locked to social media and Twitter throughout the day for the starting goals and that one. Don't forget, they're coming back from the holiday break, so guys are rushing in from the holidays. But it is the Blues. It's the Toronto Maple Leafs, and looking forward to this one. I think you're... Uh, you're accurate. I, I would likely go after a defenseman, too, in the long haul. I just think you can't have enough depth in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Guys go down like flies. They're blocking shots. And I, I think you take your chances. You take your risk with what you have. But I think in a perfect world, Ryan O'Reilly, come on down. But, Rosie, we'll leave it at that. A uh, programming note again this week. Just uh, We're doing two shows this week, so today's and then Thursday's. So you know what's happening on Thursday, right? No. What? Coyotes puck line, my dude. Back fucking at it. They're going to the frat house. Mullet Arena. The Leafs in Arizona. And you fucking know right now they're losing that game. So looking forward to talking about that one on Thursday. <laughs> I'm taking the puck line, man. I'm all over it. I don't care. I don't care if this team's riled off like 39 of 41 or whatever it is. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to Arizona on Thursday, man. <laughs> You're going with experience, apparently. <laughs> yeah. I'm going with the torment and the PTSD of October. Anyways, uh, Rosie, great stuff. We'll talk on Thursday, okay? Right on, man. Talk to you then.